Hallelujah, Christ is risen. He is once again, in our gospel text for today, for the third week in a row, we find people who are grieving the death of Christ, unaware or unbelieving the word of his resurrection. Here in particular today, we find these two men on the road to Emmaus, overwhelmed with sorrow. One of them not named, the other named Cleopas, which tradition holds is the same man named elsewhere as Clopas, who would in fact be the uncle of Jesus Christ, the brother of Joseph. So here you have men whose hopes were dashed. The Savior that they loved is gone. The teacher at whose feet they sat to learn of the wondrous love of God is no more. The redemption of Israel that they thought was going to happen, now they imagine is not going to happen at all. So here in this moment you have men overwhelmed with doubt and sorrow and grief and broken hearts because they have not seen the face of the risen Christ. Well, that sounds like a pretty easy fix to drive away all of their sorrow and despair and doubt, all Jesus has to do is lift the veil from their eyes and bless them to see him. As he saddles up next to them on the road to Emmaus, all Jesus has to do is not prevent their eyes from seeing him, show them his face. And these men would be filled with joy instantly. And yet, Christ doesn't do that. Why not? Well, the truth is that it seems like this should be an easy fix, that sight should be an easy fix, because that's what our sinful nature wants to believe. Our sinful nature, that doubt and despair within us, is always confusing our understanding, wanting us to believe that if only our Lord would appear right in front of us, then all of our doubts would die in that moment. We would never be filled with sorrow or grief again. We would have the eternal confidence that comes from gazing upon the face of Christ. But this is a rather foolish lie that we convince ourselves of. It's a bit like telling yourself that if you just do heroin once, you'll never have pain again. It's not how it works. Doing it once may temporarily drive away your pain but that will only cause it to come raging back and be much worse than it ever was before. And so, in the same way, if Christ were to appear before these men to show them his face, their hearts would be filled with joy. But then, what happens when Christ goes elsewhere? What happens when Christ ascends to the right hand of the Father what happens when the Romans come into Jerusalem in 70 A.D. and destroy the temple and the city and, and tear everything to pieces and those men don't have their Lord before them? Well, their sorrow would only come rushing back and they would become convinced that the sight that they had was no longer worth anything. And because they didn't trust in the Scriptures, because they didn't trust in the Word of God, and they wouldn't be prepared to endure any more suffering or persecution or hatred. When we trust in sight, we put ourselves in the position to have our faith destroyed 
the second we no longer gaze upon the face of the Savior. And so Jesus, in our Gospel text for today, on this road to Emmaus, is showing them a greater way. He starts off first by pointing them to the Scriptures and shows them that they should have, in fact, believed, rebukes them for their unbelief because the word of the resurrection was promised to them all throughout the Old Testament, all throughout Moses and the prophets. And so there on that road to Emmaus, Jesus gives them this great and wonderful gift of the Scriptures, of seeing himself, of seeing him in the Scriptures. Now, Luke doesn't tell us specifically what Bible text Jesus refers to. The long walk would have taken them a few hours. But it's probably safe to speculate at least as to what some of those little sermons that Jesus gave them were. I imagine that Jesus probably pointed them to Genesis chapter 3, to the promise of the offspring of the woman who would crush the head of the serpent even as the serpent struck his heel. In other words, the virgin-born Son of God, the one who did not have an earthly father, the offspring of a woman, would be the one to deal a fatal blow to the devil, crushing his head, caving in his skull. But the blow that the devil would leave to him, the wound that the devil would give to him, was fatal but not really fatal. It was fangs pierced into a heel where the venom could not take root and destroy the life of its victim. In other words, Jesus would rise from the dead, crushing the devil in the process. I imagine that Jesus pointed them to the promise of Abraham taking Isaac up the mountain and showed them that in the words of Abraham trusting that his son would come down that mountain alive, there they had the promise of the resurrection, the promise of the one who would be sacrificed in the place of his people and yet be alive, burst forth from the tomb. I imagine that Jesus gave them the words of Psalm 16, that your whole God's promise that His Holy One would not see corruption, that even though He would die, He would not remain in the grave, He would not remain a prisoner of Sheol, but would be lifted up from death before His flesh could rot. I imagine Jesus gave them what He gave to the crowds who doubted His messianic nature, who doubted His divinity, the promise of the sign of Jonah. That just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the fish, so Jesus Christ would die, go into the grave, and just as the fish vomited Jonah back up on the shores on the third day, so the Savior of mankind would burst forth from the tomb with resurrection glory. So there Jesus shows them, through the Scriptures, a greater blessing. He gives them something far greater than sight. He gives them promises of God spoken thousands of years before they were even born. Words that will endure forever and words that will comfort them in every moment of sorrow and tribulation. And then, when does Jesus invite these men to recognize him? When does he open their eyes to see, in fact, that the one who's been telling them that the Christ would rise is, in fact, the Christ himself? They recognize him in the breaking of the bread. So there our Lord promises them, if you want to see me, if you want to recognize me, if you want to have confidence that I am with you, 
Don't look for me physically before your eyes. Look for me in the breaking of the bread and the gift of the holy sacrament that I have instituted where you will know that I am always with you, forgiving you, pouring out mercy upon you. Jesus shows them that he is in the bread and vanishes before their sight. And so in all of this, our Lord is giving a promise. Sight is nothing compared to the word of God. And seeing the face of Jesus is nothing compared to seeing the face of Jesus in, with, and under the bread and wine. (coughs) These are promises that Jesus makes to these two men throughout the journey to Emmaus. And they're promises that he makes to us in that journey as well. I think our hymn of the day, or our opening hymn for today, was quite a nice hymn in casting this walk to Emmaus as a spiritual struggle that we undergo. Because it certainly is. That road to Emmaus where we are hungering for sight and yet are given a far greater gift. So there you are walking that road of misery and sorrow. That road of a broken heart because you desperately wanted to see Christ in front of you. You wanted to behold Him. And yet, everything around you looks like it's fallen to pieces. You've cried out to God to heal your broken mind. Your mind, your heart that are overwhelmed with sorrow and despair, depression and anxiety. You cry out for a sense of peace that you think you could have if you just saw Jesus in front of you and yet you can't see him, and so you imagine that peace is nowhere to be found. You cry out for God to heal your flesh, to take away the pain, the disease that rips you apart, and yet those prayers seem to go unanswered. It seems like your hope to be healed by the Redeemer of Israel is lost. You look out upon the plight of your loved ones, You see your mothers and fathers, your brothers and sisters slipping into the grave. You cry out for God to spare their lives. And then they die. And all those words that burst forth from your mouth just feel empty. That hope that you were clinging to feels like it's just erased. If you could have seen those people restored to health, then you would have seen the face of Christ and you could have hoped. But then everything fell apart. You struggle with temptation. You keep going back to the same sins over and over again. You cry out for God to give you the strength to lead the holy life that you desperately want to lead. And it just doesn't seem to work. You replace one sin with another. You escape one temptation only to fall into the pit of another. You fail to be the person that you want to be. And you know that if you just had Jesus in front of you, if you could just see him, if you just had proof, then it wouldn't be so easy for the devil to get you to believe his lies and to fall back into temptation. Don't believe this lie of your sinful nature. 
Don't believe the lie of the serpent who wants to convince you that you have no reason to hope, no reason to have faith if you can't see your Lord and all of his proof in front of you. Don't believe the lie that heroin is the solution to your pain. Believe the word of Jesus Christ. Because when our Lord walks to Emmaus with you, when he opens the scriptures to you, he's giving you that same greater gift that he gave to Cleopas and the other disciple. He's giving you his word, the word that existed long before you were born, that proclaimed to you the victory that is already yours. In Genesis chapter 3, when Jesus speaks the word, when Jesus proclaims to you through those words of Moses, his resurrection, what is he saying to you? He's saying that all of your pain, all of your sorrow, all of the brokenness of your flesh that you feel to the core of your bones, one day he will indeed take that all away. Because the offspring of the woman crushed the head of the serpent. Once you were a sinner filled with doubt and despair, once you deserved to be under the suffocating power of that beast that would sink its fangs into you and rob you of your life with its venom. But Christ Jesus took your place in the jaws of that serpent. He was devoured by the dragon. He received the fangs pierced into his flesh through the, hand, through the nails that pierced his hands and feet. But our Lord was without sin. And because he was without sin, then the, then the serpent's fangs only struck his heel and the venom could not take root. And on the third day, he burst forth from the belly of the beast and proclaimed to you that the day is coming when you will share in his resurrection victory. The day is coming where all of your pain, all of your depression, all of your anxiety, all of your sorrow will be no more because all of your sins now are no more. Through the word of Abraham taking Isaac up Mount Moriah, what is Jesus proclaiming to you? He's proclaiming to you that just as Abraham was laid upon that wood, but spared at the last moment by the sacrifice of a ram, so Jesus Christ also took your place on the wood. As he was pierced to a tree of wood, as the knife of God's judgment came down upon him and pierced his flesh instead of yours, he destroyed your sin. He gave you the right to live with him in his kingdom forever. And just as Isaac walked down that mountain with his father Abraham, so you will walk up the Mount Zion. You will walk up the mountain of salvation with your brother Jesus Christ who will place you into the hands of your father. And so... All of the sorrow, all of the weakness that you have felt because you look out at a world that seems to be swimming in unanswered prayers. Jesus has answered them all through his bloody death and his glorious resurrection. When Jesus proclaims in the scriptures his Holy One will, that the Holy One of God will not see corruption, when he proclaims the sign of Jonah to you, what is he saying? He's saying, 
that all of your sins have been destroyed forever, buried in a tomb, that your transgressions are the things that have rotten, the things that have turned to corruption, that have turned into nothing and been devoured by worms. But your flesh shall not, and the flesh of your loved ones who belong to Christ shall not. That every ounce of corruption that has come upon their bodies, that those corpses that rest in their tombs will not stay corpses but every atom of their flesh will be restored on the last day. And as you are lifted up from the grave, your Holy One who did not see corruption, the Redeemer of Israel, your Redeemer, the One who fulfilled the sign of Jonah and was vomited up from the grave on the last day will command your graves to lift you up as well, to welcome you into eternal life. And those graves will obey and likewise, where has our Lord promised to show His face to you? So in the Scriptures, our Lord gives you this great promise that has existed long before you were born and that will exist long after you have gone back to the grave. The promise that the Holy One of God, the Redeemer of Israel, has conquered death. That's what the Scriptures have proclaimed to you. They have given you a promise that is better than sight. They have given you a healing that is greater than a, tempor than a temporary uh, numbing of your pain through sight. They've given you eternal peace. The Scriptures proclaim to you that Jesus is risen. So where can you find Him? Where can you see your Lord? Where can you gaze upon Him and know that He is present among you in the room giving you all of His resurrection glory? You can find that in the breaking of the bread and the passing of the cup. You find it here today in the gift of the sacrament of God. So here today, as you come and you kneel before this altar in the breaking of the bread, even though you cannot see the contours of his face, in that bread that rests upon the paten, you will see that your Savior is here fulfilling his word to give you his flesh that was broken for you upon the cross, that you may eat it and live and have eternal life. Here, as the wine swirls in the chalice that is presented before your lips, you will see the blood of the Savior who has given you the right to rest with him in his kingdom forever. So don't be afraid. Don't despair. You are not living in a world that is swirling with unanswered prayers. You are living in a world where the one who answers all of your prayers is swirling before your eyes in the cup of salvation, inviting you to drink his blood and live forever with him in his kingdom, the kingdom where no sorrow, no suffering, no death, no agony will ever be known again. Christ is not hidden from your eyes in the way that the world thinks. He is visible to you in the bread and in the wine, blessing you to know that your walk to Emmaus is finished, that the road of sorrow and suffering is no more, and that you now have the right to walk with him on the road of hope and eternal peace because you have seen that Christ is living through the word of the scriptures and in the breaking of the bread 
of salvation. Alleluia. Christ is risen.